Yes, welcome back. This is How Did I Get Here, Student Edge podcast, where we're asking the question, how did you get to where you are today? I'm going to get right into it because we've got a very special guest today and she's sitting right across from me. Samantha Jackson is a health coach. She's got some pretty high up clients. We're going to get into that a bit later. But first, Samantha Jackson, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Hello. How, how are you doing today, first of all? Incredibly fabulous. Incredibly fabulous. Yes. So we'll start off with a very basic question, but I think it's something a lot of people want to know. What exactly is a health coach? Yeah, that, is, that actually confuses a lot of people. So, mm. And it's, it's hard because people are usually either personal trainers or that, that dietitian sort of nutrition side of things, but I do both. So mm. I make sure that you're getting enough movement in and some movement that will keep your body beautiful and healthy and also eating in a way that you're not dieting, you're not starving, and you're getting well-fed well-nourished so you've got high energy and also working on your mindset as well so you can change those habits and and keep those for the long term yeah Uh, so go now into your youth experience growing up you know how interested in health were you were you a healthy kid I was I was I was always the the muesli bars and yogurt over chocolate so yeah although chocolate you know that that did appear but (laughs) it was it was never my first choice so I was always Probably going for more the healthy options, eating wise, and I was always a dancer as well. So mm. I was doing multiple dance classes a week, and then the the eighties aerobics and all that <laughs> kind of stuff that had to it had to be part of my growing up and roller skating as well, actually. So roller skating, yeah, 80s. yeah. So mm. I did want to ask about that eighties, the aerobics. You know, yeah. were you into the leg warmers and the bright colours and <laughs> let's get physical with Olivia Newton John? I had an extensive collection <laughs> of leg warmers of all types of colours and the old leotards as well and the the high cut ones and you, know, you name it I had it so yeah the toweling headbands and and yeah I think there was even a perm in there at some <laughs> stage so yeah definitely do you think that fashion should have a comeback no no <laughs> let's just leave that one where it is it needs to sleep now <laughs> <laughs> going into school now um what role did you know health and fitness play for you as a student it, it was a lot, actually, because I, I was a really serious student, so mm. I was very much into the academic side, so I, I did all the, the hard subjects. Now, back in my day, that was it was maths 2-3, physics, chemistry, and I think it's called discrete maths <laughs> nowadays or something like There's that. There's a but few different names for yeah. it, yeah. So it was the, the, the top of the WASA sort of math. So I was the just the, the one that would burn the candle at both ends. So yeah. making sure that I, I stayed as healthy as possible was, was pretty paramount. Hmm. Uh, so you've told me in an email that you did suffer a few health issues at quite a young age. What exactly happened there? Well, glandular fever did a bit of a round of our school, and uh, and the first girl that got it, she was just off for you know a week or so. The second one who got it, she was off for just over a month, and then I got it and uh, was in hospital on a life support machine. So I, I don't know who got it after me, but I'm not sure they would have survived <laughs> because it just right. seemed to get worse every time. And yeah, so glandular fever gave me complete liver failure. Right. Mm. So obviously something like that can be a big disruptor to your studies and to your health as well, obviously. How did you go about overcoming some of those difficulties? Oh, a lot of time and a lot of patience and, and I had to take it slowly. So it was a massive reassessment of what was important mm. uh, because being told you're going to die, even at 15, that's that's one of those turning moment, moments in life where you, you've just got to make some decisions and do things a little differently and reprioritize well what's actually important here so that that was a massive turning point even at a young age and yeah just that recovery was slow yeah. slow and I'm, I'm talking years slow not not just months that was years 
Right. So you, you spent a bit of time away from school then when you were I did. Uh, sick? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got sick in July of year 11 and I went back half days in March the following year. Mm. So obviously that's an interesting transition going back into school after spending some time away. How did you manage that transition? It was, um, it was great, actually. I had a lot of support from my peers and teachers as well. So um, so some teachers actually sent work for me to do because they, they knew that I'd want to do it So and, and to, to keep up with things. So there was only so much I could do because my fatigue levels were, were pretty strong back then. Um, but, yeah, I had a lot of support from my classmates. They As soon as I was non-contagious anymore, they would, like, come around and visit. Um, and, yeah, once I was well enough that we would just hang out a little bit. So having those connections and relationships was really important to me. Yeah. Uh, So moving on now to some of your senior years, you were quite young when you graduated, you told me. I was. How did that come about? Well, I was originally born in the UK and when we moved from the UK to Australia, I was supposed to have gone down a grade and my parents were pretty insistent that I'd already started school and, you know, I'd already been there and done that and it would be detrimental to put me back down a grade so that I was the, the same age as the other kids. And so I ended up being at the same level as I would have been in the UK as in Australia, which meant I was a year younger than my whole class. Mm. So when it came to graduating year 12, I was I was 15 with What's that like being the youngest person maybe in a senior group, especially around 17, 16-year-olds? It was – I had to grow up really quickly because a year of development at that age, both physically and mentally and and emotionally, Mm. one year is a lot of difference, a lot. So I had to grow up really, really fast. And I was also adamant that I didn't want any of my classmates to know, so they all just Ah. thought I was short. (laughs) (laughs) So you kept the secret the whole way through? Yeah, I did. I kept the secret. And it was only – later on in life when we all became Facebook friends mm. that when it comes up on your birthday and it says your age they all thought <laughs> that I you know, they were going well hang on you're not 30 you're 31 I'm like no I'm actually turning 30 this oh, year oh very clever mm. yeah. so yeah they all found out Looking at your senior years now, um, you had some pretty impressive results in your final year. I think what you told me was ducks of physics, mm-hmm. human biology and chemistry. That's a pretty successful last year. What do you attribute that to? Hard work work. and determination. I was really determined that everything that the doctors told me I couldn't do, I was going to do. Mm. So they said, you know, you're you're not going to go back to school. You're going to live a really sickly life. You're you're not going to be able to have children. You're not going to be able... They gave me an entire list of things that I wasn't allowed to do or wasn't able to do. And one of those was going to university. They said I wasn't allowed to do that. And, um, and yeah, I just thought, well, no, actually, I'm, I'm here. You told me I was going to die and you were wrong about that. So what else are you going to be wrong about? So I worked my butt off as much as I could to actually get those results to, to get me a, a university entry. But because I was only 15, I had to have parental permission and they wouldn't give it because the doctor said no. So oh, no. <laughs> Spewing. <laughs> Um, So you were young when you graduated. So my question is, when was your first job and what was your first job? Oh, my first job was in a bank. A bank? Um, Yeah, because I wasn't allowed to go to university. I I desperately Mm. wanted to go into medicine and and I wasn't allowed to. So I thought, okay, I'll just go and, you know, get any old job for a little while. And I I worked in a bank and um, and I thought I'll just stay here until I'm old enough to, to go to uni. But then banking life kind of called to me and, and also there's the income side of things yeah. as well and the independence and I kind of liked it so I stayed there and, and just went through the ranks in, in banking instead and I actually stayed there about 10 years 
And um, so, yeah, my first job was in the forest field branch of the R&I Bank, which is now Bank West. Oh, of course. Mm. Um, so starting that first job, you know, did you start off as like a bank teller or an entry-level position or where did you start out? Very entry-level. It's called a proof machine, which proof it doesn't machine. even exist anymore because <laughs> there's, there's no paper in banks anymore. But we used to have to slide all the deposits and the checks and the withdrawals through a machine to register them and they, they had to balance because computers were new back then. Mm. So that's obviously a very interesting way to start work instead of going through what a lot of people do is uni or TAFE, um, but going through an actual employment and moving up the ranks. How do you think uh, that made you improve as a person? It made me really determined to to show that even though um, the the university, and it was a, a the more trodden path back then, I actually was really determined to go, well, I'm going to be successful without that. So you're not going to let me do it, but that that's fine. I'm just going to choose a different path, but I will be just as successful. I've always been really stubborn and headstrong, um, and just gone. Well, no, I'm just going to I'm going to make my own path. So I think a lot of it is that resilience to go. I'll I'll work twice as hard as you, but I'll get the the result that I want, and and I'll get I'll be just as successful as anyone else is, mm. just because they choose a different path. Yeah. So as we've been talking about, you know, you don't start immediately in the health industry. That comes around a bit later. Uh, How do you view that different industry experience now looking back on it uh, as helping your career? Oh, I think it's really shaped me. So everything I learned in in the banking and finance world and then moving into management. So I've held some really serious um, senior management roles as well. So CEO, executive, um, you know, general manager of of some... um, both local and national and international companies, and I've I've used that experience in, in fixing that the processes and keeping a business running to then look at that and go, okay, well, how do I translate that into keeping people running? What do I need, what do I need to do to manage people, and also I can then walk in their shoes from from what they do in their day-to-day life because I've also been there too. Mm. Yeah, so that kind of leads into my next question. You worked in a few executive positions around Australian companies. Um, How important is leadership to you? Extremely important. Without leadership, there's no company. And and that leadership has to be, for for me, it has to be a heartfelt and heart-centred and a people-centred leadership because if you if you don't get the people side of things right, it doesn't matter how good your processes are, but the, the people side of things, if, if there's no people to do the processes or if they don't do them in a way that they actually care about, then the customer outcomes are never going to be good, ever. Hmm. Does uh, the experience of leadership help you manage people's health? Absolutely <laughs> does. Especially <because laughs> when they when they don't want you to maybe be telling them some things. Yeah, because I'm, I'm getting people to do things that they find uncomfortable. Hmm. So I've, I've got to be able to find out what makes you tick and then push the right buttons to get you to respond, not in a way that you're begrudging and you, you do it because I'm telling you that you have to do it, but in a way that you... It, it makes you feel like it's your idea to mm. do it. So, yeah, I've got to try and get inside people's head a little bit. So I'm wondering if you can share with us now the story of how you actually made that switch into the world of health. Oh, easy. I was I was a CEO of a health company mm-hmm. and, and I had a medical director working for me and I had dietitians and I had exercise physiologists and then my husband and I went on a, a little bit of a trip overseas and we were over there and I said to him, I don't, I don't want to go back. 
And he said, what do you mean? I said, I just don't want to go back into what I was doing before. I want to do what the people who worked for me did because I was fascinated by it and I loved it and I would spend my spare time in their offices finding out what they did and how they did it and, and just watching them and learning from them. Mm. And he, he actually breathed a bit of a sigh of relief and went, oh my goodness, about time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for you to have this realisation of where your passion actually lies. And so he, he said, look, quit just go for it quit I'll keep working for you know for as long as it takes you go and study and learn what you need to learn so you can do what you need to do and that just lit a fire in me having that someone else believe in me to to go and do that actually lit a massive fire Mm. Uh, having that switch can be obviously a very scary moment a very stressful moment Uh, what's your emotional state like as you kind of reset and move into this world of health terrified <laughs> because there, there was so many well what am I doing what was I thinking um, and and self-belief doesn't just happen it has mm. to be created and and it's got to be fed all, all the time and that's hard that is really hard because there'd be days where I just go I've made a big mistake and you know nobody nobody wants me to do this for them and especially where I was coming from I all I have is common sense advice I don't have the new shiny pill or the new diet that that mm. promises instant weight loss and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I actually uh, I look at it and go, I've got a, a really serious responsibility with people's health here, so I need to look after that. So it's it's not uh, shiny, funky advice. It's kind of more things that your grandma would be, would be telling you to do, <laughs> and that doesn't sell well. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so you do become a health coach, eventually you become the coach of Mel Gibson. Yeah. This is, uh, and how did that come about? <laughs> Well, I was, I was doing a speaking tour, so I got myself on the speaking circuit mm. and I was doing a tour of Australia and New Zealand and I just finished the, the Sydney leg and I was catching up with some friends. I was just going to do a sneaky little MC gig for them on the side and we were just catching up with them to talk about this little gig and Mel actually came and sat at the table next to us where we were having dinner. Oh. And, uh, and we all sat there and went, oh my gosh, that's Mel Gibson. <laughs> and, and he turned around and went, I can hear you. <laughs> and we all instantly just wanted to disappear under the table out of yeah. sheer embarrassment. Yeah. And then, so we were talking across the tables. He picked up his, his dinner and he came and sat with us and said, well, you guys don't look too weird, you know, and it's hurting my neck trying to turn around to talk to you. So I'll just come and sit with you. And that was about nine o'clock at night. We left at two o'clock in the morning because right. he's a storyteller and, mm. and he's brilliant at it. And we were just chatting and laughing. And halfway through the night, he just patted his guts and he said, I've just got to get rid of this belly. And I said, well, I can get rid of that for you. And he said, oh, what are you, some sort of nutritionist? I said, actually, yes. <laughs> and he said, well, what are you going to do that's different? He said, I've tried everything. And I said, I'll teach you how to eat properly. And he said, I know how to eat properly. And I said, well, if you did, we wouldn't be having this conversation about your big belly right now, would we? Mm. Um, you know, I've seen what you ate tonight and you're kidding yourself if you think you're doing everything the right way. And, uh, and he kind of looked at me and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've said too much. Like, should have just st- quit while I was ahead there. And he took his phone out of his pocket and he handed it over to me and he said, put your number in my phone. I said, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. And so I did that and then um, I gave him my number and uh, so yeah, gave him, and I got his number as well. And then he, that was on the Thursday. He was going back to California on Sunday. Monday was my birthday and I was out in Sydney with my husband and uh, my phone just went off and I thought, oh yeah, another birthday message. But it said, so Mighty Mouse, what are you going to do about my guts? <laughs> Mel Gibson. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay. So, And we've, we've spoken every day since. That was right. over four years ago now. Really? Mm. So that can be pretty daunting, you know. <laughs> a massive celebrity like Mel Gibson, who's probably been a celebrity since 
forever, really, yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah. for the past 40 years. How do you how do you actually network with a celebrity like <laughs> that? Like, I'm sure a lot of people would feel daunted, stressed. It's uh, he, he is a bit of an intimidating kind of guy just mm. because of his presence. Yeah, he's and he's got one heck of a charisma about him. He's he's larger than life. However, he's humble. He's down to earth, and he is so approachable. It's not funny. And and we just clicked and got on really well. And when when we were on the phone the first time, I said to him, "What are you doing? Like you could be working with anyone. I'm a little nobody from Perth. Mm. What are you doing?" And he said, "Oh, easy." He said, first of all, everything you said made sense." And he said, "Secondly, you had the courage to call me out on my own BS that I was <laughs> telling myself." He said, "And thirdly, on the way back to California, I just couldn't get your voice out of my head, so I knew I had oh. to call you." I'm like, okay, I'll take that. Well, that's a pretty shining endorsement there. Yeah. But obviously Mel's not your only client. You've got a whole crew of clients. How are you able to help people? Um, what I do is I get in their heads. So mm. um, I spend time with people one-to-one. I do a lot of it online. So it, it's not all in person. A lot of it is done over Zoom and Skype and yeah. FaceTime. Um, I find out all about you. So I send you a questionnaire and I find out lots of things about you. And then I'll design a, a program for you that will get you from where you are to where you want to be. Um, and it, it does take time. It's never an instant thing. And then along the way, I just want to make sure that you're thinking the right way, that you're believing in yourself, that your your habits are actually changing for the better and this is something that you can sustain. So I take people for eight weeks on a little bit of a learning journey. It's never a diet or a challenge or anything like that. It's an education. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and that's I work across seven different time zones. So I'm usually up very early in the morning and, and <laughs> right. up late at night. Um, but I, I get time during the day to, to have a bit of a break if I need to and, and I still get my exercise in. Without my own exercise and looking after myself, I'm no good to anyone else. So that's a priority for me. Mm. So that obviously can be a very close relationship, very intimate. Is it hard to get people to open up to you like that? No, it's bizarre. Once I once that, that gate opens, it's just blah, everything <laughs> comes out. And, and people tell me the most intimate, personal things about themselves that they've probably never told anybody. And it's, it's, I kind of liken it to that relationship that people have with their hairdresser. You know, you, you sit in the hairdresser's chair and your mouth just opens and all the stuff comes out. And, and this is the same. And, and without that, we don't have that trust. So it's, it is a, it's a real position of privilege that I'm in with, with people and which is why confidentiality is one of my highest values when it comes to working with anyone. Yeah. Well, that is how you got here. Uh, let's say, is there anything we missed along the way? Anything, that, any experience that you might account for being a massive influence on where you are? I think just as a, as a child being in, in, in school, being younger than the other kids and mm. being told that I couldn't do it, I think that made me more determined to go, yes, I can, just watch me. And I think mm. that's really shaped everything I've done is just... Don't tell me I can't because that will make me even more uh, more determined to, to get that done. Hmm. Let's let's say hypothetically you had the opportunity to speak to your teenage self, maybe your 15-year-old self. Uh, and what advice would you give? Oh, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Just dig in, hold on, grit your teeth and just go for it because the world is yours. Hmm. Any Anything you might change along the way? Um, I probably wouldn't be 
maybe so outspoken, but then sometimes it's benefited me and sometimes I wish I could retract it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a filterless truth teller with people, <laughs> which, yeah, sometimes serves me, sometimes doesn't. And, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 50 now and I still haven't figured out when to switch it off. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is How Did I Get Here for today. You can catch us, student underscore edge, on Instagram, student edge on TikTok. Search us up, student edge, on YouTube and head to studentedge.org for all our articles, podcasts, deals, competitions, career tips, education advice and much, much more. Samantha, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye now.